Oh, turn with me in your Bibles. To Acts, to Acts the, of the Apostles, chapter 5. And uh, we're starting a new series today. And um, in this series, we're going to talk about tales of wonder. I think sometimes we miss the wonder of God. And we miss the wonder of the gospel. And uh, God desires to interrupt ordinary lives with his supernatural grace. A theologian named Walter Bergman said that there are only three ways to look at history. The first way of looking at history is the naturalistic way, where God does not act upon history or maybe even exist. The things that happen in history, the things which happen in our lives, are merely the result of natural forces. Human history is the story of the rich dominating the poor and the strong dominating the weak. And this makes sense of some, to the sum of our pain, but it gives us little comfort. The second way of looking at history, he said, is a deterministic way. That's where God is control of everything, either as a watchmaker or a control freak. Nothing happens outside of his command, and therefore, everything happens for a reason. Human agency has little or nothing to do with it. We are subjects of divine forces. Human history is written and directed by God, and we are merely acting in our own little scene. This way of thinking gives us, gives us comfort, but makes, us, makes little sense of our pain. The third way of looking at history is a story of divine interruptions. Humans have real freedom, but God has freedom too. He gets to interrupt the story and change the plot whenever he sees fit. He inserts himself into the narrative and changes the stakes. This way of thinking feels the most wrong at first, but it gives us, but it gives us a neither comfort nor an answer for our pain. But strangely enough, it's the most freeing way of seeing our story. Because while we get what we want, God gets what God wants. And we are neither the victims of the world around us, nor are we pawns in a cosmic chess game. So, we get to live knowing that God can, and always does, surprise us. After the resurrection, Jesus' followers were on a course of a lifetime of surprises. In the aftermath of Jesus' ascension, the disciples were still reeling from the implications of who Jesus was and what he actually accomplished. His death, his defeated death by dying and without killing. He set up a new kingdom without a violent revolution and he ascended to the right hand of the Father to rule over the nations without controlling them. So how do you follow a king like that? How does it affect your day-to-day -day life? How do you just go back to work on Monday? How do you wait for further instructions? And so many people have, 
have an encounter with God, but they don't know what to do with it. And the beginning of chapter 5 is a definite part of that. These two people decided to hold back some money, and they didn't leave that place alive. What do you do? How do you deal with a God like that? Well, we're not going to talk about it, are we? But the, the, the point here is, is that how do you have an... You had him, there's an encounter here with God, so what do you do with it? God shows up, and what do you do with it? He all of a sudden breaks in, surprises the living tar out of you, and... Oh, that's nice. See ya. Oh, two people died? Oh, that's okay. No, later on in this story, an angel shows up and leads them out of prison. How many of us would follow? Oh, you're just a figment of my imagination. I'm supposed to be here. There's, intervent, there's an encounters, there are things that happen in our lives and sometimes we just think that it's, uh, it's, we can reason it away. And sometimes there are things we just can't explain, but we do our best. But the one thing that is impossible to do is to go back to life as usual. When God shows up, your life is changed forever. Period. It's hard to go back to usual when the person you followed a few years ago turns out to be not just a great candidate for the King of Israel, but actually God himself. As well as we read in our story today, it is even harder to live a normal life when God keeps showing up and surprising you. And even when you anticipate his interruptions, God is still able to surprise you. Now, here's the context of chapter 5, about starting at verse 17. The, the apostles haven't figured out much to this point. They're still in Jerusalem enjoying the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. They're meeting in the temple. They can't help talking about Jesus. And people are getting healed and joining their cause. And naturally, the, the keepers of the former religion aren't too happy about this new one that's creeping up. Not too unlike one church is here and another word church starts over there, so we have to do what that other church does in order to keep people. Hmm. Starting in verse 17 in chapter 5, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Life as in the gospel of life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. 
Here's surprise number one. God does not keep you out of prison. He helps you break out of prison. Okay, let's, I'll take a minute for you to let that sink in because I'm watching people's eyes and they're going to go and... Oh. God does not keep you out of prison. He helps you break out of prison. There's so many people in this world today that are, are in a bind because they see things that are happening and they are, they are incredulous in trying to keep pain from happening. And the funny thing is, is that we really don't want, we don't want to really do it ourselves. We'll get other people to take away that pain for us. But I guess what I want to confront you with is, and maybe you need to ask yourself this question, is pain the only thing that's keeping you close to God himself? Because it's the pain that's driving you for change. Not wanting the surprise. Some of us are only close to God because we are in a bind and it hurts. Life is hurting and so it's the, and the only thing that really gets us to our knees and to come to the place where God needs us to come is because of the pain. If the pain was gone, there's no need for Him. Uh, Someone asked me just this past week, what what is ministry like? And I said, sometimes it's being a, a, a a servant of pain management of emergency pain management. People only come to talk to me when they are really in trouble. (laughs) Let's go to the preacher. He'll pray for me. Because I'm in trouble. And because the preacher knows the trouble, once the trouble's gone, so is the person. Because that, that preacher now knows my, my pain, and therefore, I, one, I don't need him anymore. Or two, he knows too much. Therefore, i got to get out of his, his eye gate, his space. So what do we do with surprise number one? God doesn't keep you out of prison. He helps you break out of prison. God showcases his power not by keeping you from setbacks. God showcases his power by letting you face setbacks, then overcoming them for you. And many Christians live in perpetual discouragement because they do not recognize that the hardships of life are the front half of a miracle. The disciples aren't doing anything wrong, and yet they're thrown into prison. But prison is part of God's plan. God is setting them up for a direct confrontation 
with the, the cultural gatekeepers of the city. You see, when you and I start talking about Jesus and what he's done, for, done in our lives, we, we sometimes make people want to move us to the sidelines. If they can't move you to the sidelines, they'll try to keep you from having an influence. When you start talking about how Jesus interrupts and takes you out of prison, it makes sometimes people uncomfortable. Because what do they do with you and your experience? How do you fight someone with an experience? Right. Oh yeah, you're just making it up. How far does that go, really? I had an encounter. Jesus sent an angel and broke me out of prison. So a lot of you had that testimony. You'd be go someone would go, there are people with white coats coming to pick you up and take you away. Let's put it in the vernacular. All of a sudden, you're, there's too much month at the end of the money and there's a check in the mail for the exact amount that you need to handle the rest of the month. Surprise! I hope that woke you up. God intervenes. And then you talk about that. How do, how do, how do people hear you when you say that God intervened and gave you the exact amount of money that you needed for the end of the month? They get quiet. Well, that's just you. That's just coincidence. That's just fate. Ah, wrong. Wrong answer. Thank you for playing. Basically, it's God. There's no way around it. You can't change that. Now, when someone wants to move you to the sidelines because of your testimony, what do you do? Do you protest? Do we complain? Do we call our MP? Some people call the city council. <laughs> I could tell stories, but I'll stop. Or you can put a Facebook post on it. But the best thing to do is simply worship and wait while God sends the angels. I don't know how many times in my life from beginning to end there have been interventions where I, I actually needed God to come through because I didn't know how I was going to make the next moment in my life and God showed up. Places and times when my family was asking me what did God say and I didn't have a word but I knew that if I didn't get enough money for the next thing, I was going to be in trouble. And someone gave me $100 American and gave me another check. I don't know about you, but there's something inside of, of me that kind of breaks down the barriers and the walls, and I have to, I have to realize that 
It is not all about me and about my ability to make things happen, but God comes through for me, and I have to be willing to accept that surprise. Are you willing to accept a surprise from God to intervene on your behalf? I don't know, but that can be a very difficult thing. We, in the midst of our pain, say, oh yeah, (laughs) make it come. I'm ready for all the money in the world. But God doesn't always come through when you're ready to receive it. It comes in the place when you're not ready. And it, it kind of twicks at your own personal self-worth and who you are. Someone goes ahead and gives you something and you go... Because there are things that God is dealing with in you. It's not so much about the pain relief. It's about what He wants to do in and through you. Verse 22, now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and the senate of the people of Israel and sent, to, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they didn't find them in prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now I, I, have, to, this, I have to stop here because to me this is a little funny. You have guards still guarding prisons when no one's in them. I don't know, in every movie I've ever seen, it's hard to guard a prison that has, that you don't know there's nobody in it. I don't know, in every movie I've seen, there's at least one window. Come on, there's at least one window. You can hear the people snore, at least breathed, calling out for water, yet these guards had no idea. Hmm. Seems a little bit... I, I have, there's a little bit of humor here, I have, to, I have to admit. I think God sometimes has a sense of humor. He breaks in and He still has guards that are still guarding prisons that were locked. You'd think that the guards would be able to... Now, guards don't go for coffee. Right? The angel came and opened... It said the angel came and opened up the doors, and the guards are still guarding the prison. Something's funny. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks that's funny. I'll go with it. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them. I love that word, perplexed. Wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. I don't know about you, but I'd have a difficult time as an officer to go get someone who I'm supposed to be guarding somewhere else. I'd be, I'd be, it'd be kind of dangerous because I'd lose my job. Here's the surprise. The story of your prison break forces other people to wonder. The story of your prison break forces other people to wonder. Many people think of evangelism as a proclamation of Jesus' history. They believe preaching the gospel involves telling others of the facts 
from 2,000 years ago. That isn't wrong or bad, but the story of what Jesus did for you is way more powerful and, the way, and way more confrontational than your collection of the facts. The disciples do tell the story of Jesus, which we will read in a moment, but they only get to do that because God broke them out of prison. The gospel within you starts with your testimony. What did Jesus do for you? What has he made alive in you? Talk about that. When you're telling your story, it makes people realize the terms and the conditions have changed. God has interrupted your ordinary human life with wonder. And suddenly, everyone around you starts to wonder too. Stephen Backhouse, and he'll be coming back here this next September, talked about how the word evangelism is a military term for the one who would come into a city before an emperor arrives, saying, your rightful king has come to break the siege. Where has God broken the siege in your life? Or are you still fighting the siege? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your job. It doesn't matter whether or not it was 20 minutes ago or 20 years ago. God's intervention is where the gospel is living inside of you. It doesn't mean your story will make everyone happy and comfortable. <laughs> I was just having uh, lunch with someone this past week, and uh, we were paying the bill, and uh, my friend said to the lady that served us, do you know that Jesus loves you? Uh, this was after he gave a very good tip. I don't think you can give a testament, ask Jesus if they're, if they're loved if you don't give them a good tip. Amen. It's amazing how that kind of brings a little bit, uncomfort, a little bit of uncomfortableness. But he had every right to ask the question. Because it was the beginning of his own place where God is working in his life. Now, did it materialize into anything? It didn't. But the fact was is that you have to be willing to allow the gospel to live in and through you. Verse 27 to 32, it says, And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your, with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. 
Here's surprise number three. Now you wonder how many surprises I have. I only have three. Okay. But the third surprise is this. The most powerful people who are standing in your way will tremble at the sight of one true witness. The very thing that is standing in your way, may it be a person, a thing, an event, whatever it is, your health has to tremble at the hearing, at the sight of one true witness. Here's the most amazing thing about the whole confrontation. The disciples were merely sharing what they have encountered and seen with their very own eyes. Bill Johnson says, the person with the experience is never at the mercy with the person with the argument. The person with an experience is never at mercy of the person with an argument. I like this quote Bill Johnson one more time. <laughs> Cuz it's I can feel it sinking into the room. The person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. So what's causing the culture of Jerusalem to shake? What is making the city leaders feel the conviction of how they stood against God's love and goodness? The stories of these ordinary men who can't help but tell other people what they have witnessed. These were ordinary men who had no teaching. They were not of hired learning, yet they had an experience. You and I are not called to say everything. We're invited to share what we have witnessed. You are invited to share what you have witnessed. It doesn't have to be a testimony when you notice something about God's character or when you notice something about creation or when you notice something about how God has made someone else. You just became a witness. These people who are trying to stop the name of Jesus aren't fighting against an organized Christian evangelistic program. They aren't trying to stop an outreach. Instead, they're being overpowered and outmaneuvered by a bunch of uneducated fishermen who are simply reporting what they witnessed. This is what makes good news powerful and effective. God has intervened on their behalf through Jesus. And God has intervened again by freeing him, freeing them all from prison. And they're so happy. They decided to tell somebody about it. I don't know about you, but if God broke down and broke you out of your prison, could you be happy? You know what? I can stop right here because that should have got everybody happy. I don't know. God broke me out of my big prison that I'm so that takes 90% of all my day and all my time and all my money and all my energy. If God brought deliverance from that, would that make me happy? 
Thank you, Al, for that one hallelujah. Church, can I get a little radical here on you? I am not giving you a figment of my imagination. I'm preaching the word. I'm saying that he is able to surprise you, break through for you, deliver you, set you free. He can surprise you. He has done it through the past. He can do it in the present and he will do it in the future. He has a design and a destiny for this world, for the church, for your life. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it is so. He didn't just send His Son on an earth to just die a horrible death so that you could just go around, come to church, and listen to me preach. Because that's way boring. And no good news of gospel there. The fact is, is that He is breaking through in and through lives all the time, even now. Yet we fill our lives full of all the stuff that says it isn't so. And we hold on to that as that is fact. But the facts are, Jesus is who He says He is. God is who He says He is. He gave us His Word, and I need a Bible. Give me a Bible. There we go. (laughs) This didn't survive over years and years. And written by different people, formulated together, that church fathers wrote doctrines over so that you could sit here and just be funly and entertained with my preaching. The facts are, they all point to one thing, is that God has a destiny and a design to succeed and bring life to this fallen and dark world. And you can, you can wallow in your dark world all you want and say it all is, is bad and it's going to hell in a handbasket and quite frankly, doesn't give any reason for life whatsoever. But God points out His way, His truth, His life and it's more abundant than anything else that this world can give you. Church, It's time to stop listening to the things that are destroying and bringing you pain or pretending that it is someone else's fault. Stop it. Take out the truth. Begin to read it. Begin to allow it to ingest it. Allow it to feed your spirit. Because this thing does bring life. He is who He says He is. He desires to break forth and break and bring surprises into your life. He desires to bring what's wrong into the light so that it's right. Church, we sang it this morning. There is no power. There is no rival, no equal.
The church of North and the Church of Christ of North America is falling into a lot of deception of living under circumstances that they have no business living under. They have forgotten about their God who's full of surprises and intervention. That was a good word. I'm not asking you this morning to try to make every conversation in the break room about Jesus. I'm not asking you to hide tracks in the restaurant bathroom. I'm not asking you to memorize 30 scriptures so that you can debate with your atheist friend about love and about God. I'm simply asking you to dwell on what God has done for your life and tell someone about it. Who knows, maybe your story is how God begins to interrupt their story and their life. And if you're still locked in the prison, then worship and wait. I'm not asking you to break out on your own. I'm not asking you to pretend it doesn't suck. I'm not asking you to hide parts of your life that you haven't received God's supernatural intervention. I'm simply asking you to consider that maybe God isn't through with you yet. Do not be dismayed. Some things might not be working now, but eventually you'll be left with nothing but good news. And that's how the gospel always works. Well, it took me a long time to get through that last <laughs> surprise. So, in conclusion, I can sit up now. He's wrapping it up. What if the problem you face is designed for breakthrough? It's not there to subdue you, but to enable you for victory. Faith is the key. It is the continuance of belief. It was the continuance of belief that brought the disciples, the apostles, it brought them to the place of the temple, about them teaching, about them delivering the, the news. So it was their continuance of belief. Faith, not fear, is the key. Faith, not fear, is the key. Faith, not fear, is the key. Right. And it was their belief, their faith, that delivered them. For the second surprise, what if your problem gives others a message for hope, help, and resurrection? A resurrection way of life in the face of the fear of death. There is always a greater design to your life than pain relief. We know the end from the beginning, but the apostles didn't in this story. They knew the message of Jesus didn't end in death, so neither could their situation. Let me read that again. They knew the message of Jesus didn't end in death, so neither did their situation. The design is always different than your perceived threat. The design is always different than the perceived threat. 
The design is always different than the perceived threat. And for the third surprise, what if the source of your problem has no power over you? Instead, before you is an opportunity to announce a greater reality and bring history to a spirit of control over you and over others as you share an amazing outcome. Instead, what lies before you is an opportunity to announce a greater reality and bring a history to the spirit of control. What is happening, that situation, that circumstance, is really a spirit of control. It's designed to bring you into submission to what it is intended to do, is to sap the life right out of you. Be it finances, be it a job, be it a relationship issue, whatever it is, it's designed to suck the life right out of you. I, quite frankly, want to speak a greater word. That the message of the gospel is not about that. How can I, how can I get through that spirit of control? It happens in the context of a choice of obedience. The power of control is only valid if you let it speak louder than your Savior. When all is said and done, who has the final say to the actions of your life? For who and I to experience miracles, we must bring all of our actions into a submission of a divine authority. Sometime it brings a choice for us to yield, and that yielding sometimes means it feels like it's going against the grain of life. But don't be afraid. Just continue to come into alignment with God in His direction. Let me unpack this last thing again because I want to make it very clear. Is that the source of your pain has no power. It is an opportunity for you to break forth and to, find, and to bring history and finality of the control that it is bringing you. And how does that happen? When you bring yourself into submission to a higher authority than the one that you give yourself. And that higher authority is God himself. Because these people who preached the word, who were delivered out of the prison and went back, why would, if, if you were them... Excuse me, but if you were them and you were preaching the word and someone threw you into prison and all of a sudden you got released out of jail by an angel and he told you to go back to preaching, you go, wait a minute, I think you're not telling me the truth because you're delivering me from pain. And that means I don't go back to the place where I'm going to go back to pain. Correct? Many of us, we were delivered out of pain and we were told to go back to the place where we would first get the pain. We'd go, excuse me, this is the pizza talking, it's not God. But the realization here is that there is an obedience that brings life. It subjugates and brings history to the spirit of control because it is not the pain that you're dealing with. It's control. Oh, 
it's good preaching. I like it when I even press myself. Church, don't be afraid to come into alignment with who God is and His Word and His direction. Because that will always be.